welcome to the Night Watchman Cricketing Podcast, the cricketing podcast for the cricket connoisseur. Happy New Year to all of our listeners, all the very best for the decade ahead, and here's hoping that the pro tiers continue to show signs of improvement and fight in their efforts on the field. And hopefully the issues off the field are far less prominent than they were towards the back end of the last decade. In today's episode, we reflect on Newlands, uh, the second test, the New Year's test here in Cape Town. England's win at the, on the last session of one of the most extraordinary test matches we've seen for quite some years here in South Africa. Exceptional performances on both sides and ultimately a handful of standout efforts and contributions from individuals making the difference uh, and England as I say leveling the series 1-1. Tonight we chat to Ken Borland just recently turned 50 and ask him for his reflections on the Newlands test and start to look forward to the third test in Port Elizabeth in a couple of days time. As always we hope you enjoy the episode and look forward to continuing the conversation with you in the year ahead. So it's the first Night Watchman cricketing podcast of 2020 it seems like an age since the second test the new year's test in newlands took place and on the line to reflect on what went down and what one of an extraordinary test match uh in newlands here in cape town we have ken borland up in johannesburg ken how are you keeping my friend you well yeah all good thanks feet I guess, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, you yourself brought up a significant uh, milestone in your batting average, a 50 not out. Is that correct, sir? Well, I, you know, I don't really keep score, don't really look at the scoreboard, but uh, <laughs> I, I nicked one down to third man and suddenly there was a whole lot of applause. And so, you know, I just felt the need to raise my bat and, you know. Are you sure it wasn't, a leg, are you sure it wasn't a leg by that brought up that last single? <laughs> Well, not to third man, Pete. I mean, come on, oh, cricketing, yeah. cricketing fielding positions 101. <laughs> and uh, look, look, the crowd might have been cheering for a streaker or one of those beer snakes. I don't know, but <laughs> I, ra- I raised my bat. It seemed appropriate. Kenny, whichever way, my friend, all the very best for the next 50 years to come and more. Uh, happy birthday, my mate, and looking forward to celebrating uh, with a drink or two with you in Port Elizabeth in a couple of days' time. Yeah, for sure, Pete. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the third test in Port Elizabeth. Um, it's it's really developing into a fantastic test series. Uh, some really compelling cricket, and uh, PE I think is is going to be a, a really good test match. Well, if it wasn't enough to fly back between three continents to get back for this conversation, I'm going to join you there in Port Elizabeth. So heading across from Cape Town, really looking forward to. As you say, I mean, I think we had suggested it was going to be a closely fought contest but this really is shaping up to be one of the best uh, Anglo-South African test series that we've seen for many a year Yeah, I think they're two very well matched sides Um, two strong bowling attacks and and both sides with question marks over their batting you know, there's some fine players on on both sides who performed really well with the bat over the last uh, few years but there are also some new players, and uh, you know both batting lineups as units uh, are, are fairly vulnerable. Um, in in global terms, it, it's probably two fairly average sides, you know, having a go at each other. But uh, it's making for really good cricket, so that's the main thing. 
Well, when history looks back on this second test that ran between the 3rd and the 7th of January 2020, uh, the first test match of the decade for South Africa, we'll see that England won by 189 runs. And I guess when you look at the difference between the two sides, you've got uh, Dom Sibley with his 133 not out in England's second knot, which really comes down in the, the, between the difference between the two sides at the end of the day. Yeah, a wonderful innings by by Dominic Sibley. You know, it's um, in this day and age, uh, those sort of batsmen are a bit unfashionable. You know, the guys who really occupy the crease, dig in, uh, bat for really long periods of time. Um, you know, during the series, we, we've heard the, the English commentators be quite critical about Sibley. You know, saying he needs to open up more on the offside, needs more scoring options. You know, all the rest of it, but. Uh, when England really needed them just to to drop anchor and hold up an end and and you know let's not forget when England's second inning started their lead uh, 46 I think it was it, it, it's a very useful lead uh, in a low in what was a low scoring game up to that point but by no means a commanding lead you know if, if England had been bowled out for 170 180 South Africa probably should have would have won the game so. He came in under pressure and just did the perfect job, just occupying the crease, laying a really solid platform. Um, and the incredible things we saw from Ben Stokes later later in the innings and a, and a very good innings by Joe Root too, uh, were thanks to the groundwork laid by Sibley. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I say the we're going to we're going to talk about some of those other other efforts and specifically this man Stokes who. Ultimately, ends up winning the man of the match, and uh, if I understood correctly, he was trying to get uh, Dom to join him on the podium to share the share the, share the spoils. But um, we'll get to, we'll get to some of those other performances. I, I want us to talk for a moment, Ken, about uh, the South African reaction. Um, in as much as we see Peter Milan uh, in that second South African knock where ultimately South Africa trying to bat for I think it was more than 140 odd overs. And gets so close. Uh, and Peter Milan in particular, on debut, uh, plays one of the great debut knocks for, for, by a South African. Your thoughts on what you saw from Peter Milan um, and then what followed in that fourth innings? Because I think that really, the expectation was it was going to be probably wrapped up fairly quickly on, on day five. Um, we'll talk about day five as, as a concept, which is under threat right now. But yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on Milan and Co and the effort by South Africa in what was we've seen it before, but it was a it was a hell of an effort there in that fourth innings. Yeah, I think you know the, one of the first things Mark Boucher and, and the new management team have said is that they wanted to bring back the fight that uh, Proteus teams have been famous for, um, and you know that was certainly evident in that second innings. For uh, sure. Starting with starting with Peter Milan and Dean Elgar, and uh, just all the way through. I mean, Zabir Hamza batted for nearly two hours, Fafdi uh, Pasi hour and a half almost. Rassi funded Russell more than three hours. Uh, Quinton de Kock, I thought, really um, balanced his natural attacking game with with the match situation really well. Uh, batted for over two hours. So wonderful to see that fight. And you know, Peter Milan obviously took a leaf out of Sibley's book. And, uh, you know, he's also a, a kind of old-fashioned opener. He's, he's been around in domestic cricket for a long time. But again, just showing the benefit of picking batsmen in their 30s um, who know their games, who are, who are comfortable 
uh, with what they're doing out there. He's he's batted for long periods of times uh, before for the Cobras. So, you know, batting for more than six hours, he was able to do it. A, a tremendous effort, though, by the debutant. Uh, obviously delighted for him that, uh, you know, he's waited a long time for his international career to start and uh, certainly made a successful fist of it. And then afterwards, you know, one of the best post-match interviews I've ever heard by a debutant. Uh, he was fantastic. He, um, you know, he was asked about handling the pressure on debut of being out there, yeah. Anderson and Broad and, and those guys. And he said, that's not pressure. He said, it's absolute privilege. That's, that's uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful quote. A, eh? yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, one of the best sporting quotes uh, I've heard. It, it, it wasn't pressure, it was privilege. You know, pressure, he said, is when you, you're playing semi-pro three-day cricket, no one's watching, um, and, and you're batting to, to try and you know, continue your career, try and preserve uh, your job, basically. So that's, that's real pressure, he said, playing in places like Kimberley. Um, you know, in, in around on the circuit, amateur, yeah. amateur cricket, yeah. So, yeah. So Peter Milan hugely impressive uh, effort both on and off the field by him. But fantastic just to see uh, South Africa show some of that old fight that they that they're famous for. And and it just tells me that again that the mood in the camp is so much better now that the players are are back in in a good space you know it, it is a team in transition so there are still going to be growing pains um, but at least the the graph is pointing upwards at the moment well I mean I, I, th- I think that it really does does uh, serve well going into this third test and hopefully for the future to, to hear those sort of uh, reflections by by the new guys and clearly with the support of the the old hands specifically the Faf Duplessis with Quinton de Kock really showing his maturity in this space um, and Rabada these you know these are some of the senior 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 pros that have been around for a while now in that Proteus setup Dean Elgo springs to mind as well it's an exciting mix as you say of the old and the new yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Fafdupasi. Obviously, you know, he could probably do with a few runs at the moment. But sure, um, his his loss of form has really been overstated uh, quite mm. uh, quite seriously by his critics. And you know, I can't help but think that there's a, there's a political agenda uh, behind it all. You know, we mustn't forget that Faf uh, averaged over 40 last year, uh, was the second leading run scorer behind Quinton de Kock in, in tests for the Proteas last year. Um, and was the leading run scorer for South Africa at the World Cup. So, you know, he's had a, a little bit of a dip uh, in the last few innings. But, uh, gee, I mean, the man has, has certainly built up some credit uh, over the last 18 months or so. So, uh, hands off fun. Uh, is that, is that the hashtag, hashtag <laughs> campaign that you're running with, Kenny? I, I'll, I'll sign up to that one. Not a problem yeah. at all, mate. We haven't quite got to the hashtag stage yet. We <laughs> might. <laughs> well, let's see where we are after the third test, yeah. maybe. Just just looking here at that uh, fourth innings uh, scorecard, Ken. I'm looking. Clearly, there were a couple of noughts in there. Uh, Petrius and Nokia at the back end, uh, knocked over quickly by Stokes. Again, we'll get to that. But I'm looking at the strike rates, and I mean, it's it's, re- it's remarkable. I know we've seen some of these efforts before in places like Australia and and, and closer to home in the UK as well in England. But you know, when I look at this, you know, 29 percent, 30 percent, 11 
11%, 12%. These are the strike rates uh, in the top top five, top six uh, batsmen who all got in. Um, it's been remarkable. Hey? I mean, as you say, that fight uh, very much reflected in those, uh, the patience and the the aptitude to go and be able to switch. They talk between switching between modes, between the one-day mode, the T20, and this remarkable effort by the pro tiers. I mean, I genuinely left uh, at three o'clock in the morning in Sydney. I was gutted that the result hadn't gone the right way, but very much feeling that this was a, a, a proper proper go by the boys. Yeah, it was definitely an honourable defeat. Uh, no question about it. I mean, uh, absolutely. Yeah, were, were it not for probably. Uh, probably three shots, you know, uh, stop South Africa from from getting a, a really uh, courageous draw out of the game. Uh, see inexplicably, you know, he hadn't played a sweep uh, his whole innings, and suddenly decided to play one and then brain, straight brain to the leg. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quintus Lecoq, as I said, you know, had had really tempered his natural attacking game plan. Look, he still he's still kept the scoreboard ticking over, which I think is still important um, when sure. you're trying to save a game. You want to rotate the strike, uh, that sort of thing. You don't want a batsman to get stuck at one end. Um, you know, so Quinny, uh, it was his slowest ever test 50. Um, you know, he was there for 107 balls, which uh, is not that slow, but but for Quinny, it was a major effort. Yeah. And then... D- d- different gear gear ratio, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the leggy Denley had caused him a lot of problems bowling into his rough outside uh, off stump. Um, and then he gets a long hop from him and it's straight to, straight to cool. middle. So, yeah. so that was that was very frustrating. And then Rusty van der Dussen, you know, having... Um, stood firm like a rock for three and a half percentage over of, three percentage of twelve point one four hundred and ninety four minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so over epic. three hours at the crease, and uh, you know, just to watch it unfolding was so frustrating that you, you know you could see Jimmy Anderson run past Rusty from the distance to go field at leg slip. So you know, Rusty has seen this. He obviously knows he's now a leg slip. The very next delivery, Stuart Ward fires it down leg, and he tickles it straight to Anderson. So um, yeah, that was also stuff. a disappointing moment and a massive one. So, um, yeah, South Africa, you know, very, very close to saving that game. But, you know, just to take it that far, take it that deep into the fifth day, um, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And, and the batting unit will take a bit of confidence out of that. For sure. Ken, we know that England in the in the lead up to the first test and the interim into that second test have been beset by all sorts of off-field issues, the sickness and the bug that were ripped through the team, but also the sickness of uh, Ben Stokes' father, a player in Johannesburg, has been well publicised. And what we saw was something I thought was quite quite remarkable and very much in keeping with this uh, fire starter nature of Stokes in that. England needed something. We heard the Barmy Army getting behind the team and almost trying to raise them when it was really. I, I even heard that Joe Root was sort of uh, cajoling the the, the supporters was, yeah. there <laughs> to, to to get behind them. And up steps Ben Stokes. He's already basically gone down in history last year in terms of the World Cup, in terms of the final and the win for England. He's gone down in, as one of the great test match finishes and innings ever played last year. And now he hand, he's handed the ball. He's got this cloud hanging over him with his father's ill health. 
and he takes three wickets, rips the backside out of the uh, batting order, and England walk away victorious from from it would seem, you know, from a very advantageous position. Your thoughts on what you saw unfold there, and the difference that a player like Ben Stokes brings to any team in world cricket. Oh, just what a cricketer, Ben Stokes, really. I, I just absolutely love watching him play because uh, something is bound to happen. He's he's just, you know, uh, the world's greatest all-rounders is, is something you, you often end up chatting about and, and arguing about who should be on the list, who shouldn't. Um, and I know when you when you chat to the old timers who who played a lot of county cricket in England, um, they talk about Sir Garfield Sovers as just being sure they're, they're a different league almost. And is yeah, the most the most unbelievable cricketer in terms of just being able to change the course of matches with either his batting or his bowling, either bowling left arm spin or or you know left arm wrist spin, um, or even left arm orthodox spin, um, and. That's the feeling I sort of get when I watch Ben Stokes play, that he just has an incredible ability to change the game all by himself. Um, you know, you mentioned his, his bowling on the last day, or the, the day before, the morning uh, of the fourth day. Um, that innings of his was just incredible. 72 or 47 balls. Um, Changed the, the match, tempo. Yeah, the match was still... You know, a, a little bit in the, in the balance. England were four down, uh, less than 300 ahead. And you sensed that South Africa could squeeze here. And even if they didn't bowl England all up, they could actually make it that they had a, a lot less time uh, to have to bat to save the game. Uh, but Stokes, just with that innings of 72 or 47 balls, uh, just an incredible knock. You know, uh, the second new ball was due on that fourth morning, but... South Africa wanted to keep going with the old ball. They had Maharaj and, and Dwayne Pretorius bowling, and one could sense they just wanted to stop England from scoring and, and build some pressure that way. Well, Stokes, after you know uh, a few sighters, he then launched into Pretorius, uh, knocked him out the attack, uh, knocked Maharaj out of the attack. And, and so South Africa had to take the second new ball, which obviously made scoring easier for him More as well. Freer, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, just a phenomenal innings by Stokes that, um, you know, moved England from a position where they were probably favourites, um, probably just a little bit ahead, um, to a position of, of absolute control, allowing them to declare uh, and giving them, you know, five sessions uh, to bowl at South Africa. So just, uh, it, and some of the shots he played were just, uh, quite extraordinary. As a batsman, he really is um, very, very special to watch uh, when he gets going. Uh, we also mustn't forget that he um, equaled the world the world record in the in the South African first innings for catches in an innings. Uh, he took five catches at slip. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, some of those catches were were really, really exceptional. Uh, he put down a couple. <laughs> that I can't think of many other people who would have even got to. So, you know, we can't criticize them for that. So he equals the world record for catches, the first Englishman uh, to ever take five uh, catches in the innings. And then on the fifth day, just that bowling effort, late in the day, it was still very hot in Cape Town. And 
to muster up that energy and just the pace and the ferocity uh, with which he bowled. He was getting reverse swing. Um, it, it really just showed that as an all-rounder who can win you matches in, in world cricket at the moment, Ben Stokes, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anyone um, to match him really. Um, and just an unbelievable cricketer to watch no, definitely a player of of the moment and uh, potentially the, of a generation. He really is uh, shaping up in such an exciting way. The one player, Ken, I just wanted to close out with, um, again, a performance uh, that we arguably will not see again, potentially, is Jimmy Anderson. Mm. Five wickets in the first, uh, in South Africa's first innings, a further two before he clearly got in distress trying to come back there and make something happen um, on that last afternoon or last session and we now learn that he's out of the series and obviously question marks now about what his uh, future is within the test he's really come back he's fought hard after that ashes injury to come back and here he is again with a fairly substantial injury your observations on on jimmy and his performance in this test match and more generally what you've seen of him in these two test matches we've uh, that, are, that have, that have um, taken place yeah uh, I mean there have been question marks surrounding Anderson the whole tour um, and some speculation that if, if Joffre Archer hadn't have been injured he might not have played at Newlands uh, but Anderson just showed you know he's a master craftsman um, a bit like Vernon Philander I think um, in the South African team uh, just the way he gets the ball to talk. I mean, those first sitting his five wickets, he's just always on and about off stump, just subtle movement of the ball, um, always asking questions. And, uh, you know, those, those five wickets were just reward for really a wonderful display of bowling. And, and in the second innings, he, he um, started very well with the new ball. Uh, he was already carrying a bit of a side niggle, so I think for him to get to 18 overs in that second innings was a, a phenomenal effort. Um, and again, looked threatening for most of the time. Uh, was always going to come back after T on the last day, just for that one last final play. effort, final yeah, throw of the dice. Could, yeah, if he could get something going, and uh, South Africa played him well uh, to deny him, which which. which you know, then meant Stokes really had to um, step up, and he, and he did up. that very well. But uh, yeah, Jimmy Anderson, um, still a master footballer, still uh, one of the best going around. So you know, I think side strain, he, he should be fit to go in a, in a in a couple of months or so, and I certainly wouldn't be writing him off just yet. Ken, there was a question that I have for you. Uh, obviously, I listened to more than I saw, but at what stage from the commentary box did it seem that this was going to go into a fifth day and that that pitch seemed to get better and better and more docile and uh, you know easier to get navigate, uh, which is you know not what we really would have anticipated for a five-day pitch and uh, pitches around the world are under scrutiny. What was your take and at what stage do you think, okay, this is actually getting, is possible for the Proteas to, to bat out um, that fifth day? Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting pitch because... <laughs> The, the, the first two days, bowlers were, were well on top and there was a crack uh, outside the off stump if you were bowling from the Weinberg end, um, which was causing the, the left-handers a lot of problems. Um, and then suddenly, from about the third day, um, 
the pitch certainly seemed to ease up. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, strangely mm. enough, that the clouds came over. So um, the English, both the players and, and the media, have been quite bemused, in fact, that in the first two tests, as soon as the clouds have come over, batting has actually been easier, uh, which is mm. exactly the opposite of uh, what certainly happens in England. You know, once the clouds come over, the ball starts zipping around and life becomes harder for the batsman. But the explanation for it is that at both Centurion and, and Cape Town, there have been cracks in the pitch, which um, have provided the majority of the movement for the bowlers. And uh, hot, sunny weather uh, opens up those cracks. Sure, that's what you'd expect, right? you play. Yeah. Whereas uh, as soon as it's got overcast, well, the, the cracks um, haven't got any bigger. Um, you know, I don't know, the grass might even, grown a, might even have grown a bit to close them a bit, but... Uh, yeah, so, Weird. So, Very odd. So, yeah. So far on the two tests, clouds equals good for batting. Uh, bright sunny skies, not so good. Kenny, final word on that uh, second test. Uh, the the crowd, it was uh, certainly it sounded raucous. It sounded fun. It looked full. There's been a bit of media coverage around the nature of allocations, tickets and so forth. I don't really want to go into that. Um, but just again, the, the vibe there at Newlands, we know it's a, a huge, huge draw card and payday for Saffron Cricket. Um, a, a great day had, or oh, great five days had by all. Pretty much looked like it was sold out pretty much each day. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was a wonderful crowd. And um, yeah, pity there weren't more South Africans. Um, it's a difficult balancing act, you know, I think for the organisers because obviously financially you want to be able to cash in as much as you can in these tough economic times. Sure. And, you know, for travellers from overseas, they need to plan well in advance. So the the, the ticket sales uh, began, you know, over a year ago. Um, and South Africans are notoriously slow when it comes to to purchasing uh, the tickets, right? Purchasing tickets, booking what they're going to be doing. <laughs> so, yeah, look, the the, the English um, bought the majority of the tickets, um, that, which were more expensive than the tickets available to local uh, subscribers as well. So, yeah, it is a tough one. I know that they are looking at the model again. Um, because obviously you, you would prefer more uh, South African support uh, in the grounds. But, uh, you know, the locals have their chance now in, in Port Elizabeth and the fourth test of the Wanderers um, for them to really pitch up to the games and, and show their support for the Proteas. But uh, it, it was a wonderful atmosphere at, at Newlands uh, once again, I must say. Interestingly enough, I mean, I was, uh, we flew out from Dubai, or Sydney via Dubai and back to Cape Town, and there was a gentleman behind me, him and his wife, coming out from Merseyside, Liverpool way, um, who are heading specifically here for the for the PE test. So they're still coming, the members of this England support, the Barmy Army, they're still, uh, they're not done yet, uh, and it's going to be great to be in Port Elizabeth and watching that third test. Ken, let's move on. Um, in terms of the team and the changes that we anticipate, uh, Proteas have, have not made any changes to their squad, if I understood correctly. Uh, we're going to have questions around spin versus all pace. Uh, England have got the likes of Wood and Wokes if I, uh, looking to take the place together with Archer of 
of Jimmy. Uh, your thoughts about what we can expect? What sort of if we win the if South Africa? Who who wins the toss? What do they do? Uh, what does Port Elizabeth as a track record tell us about what's going to happen in a couple of weeks time or a couple of days time? Uh, St George's Park is a tough venue to predict because so much depends on the weather, uh, both in the build-up to the game and and on the day itself. Uh, it's a bit like Durban in the way that um, yeah, I, I grew up in Natal, so I know that um, at Kingsmead, if the southwesterly is blowing, um, it's a bowler's day. The grass stands up. It's a moist wind. Uh, it's it's the bowlers who are going to be on top. Uh, if the northeasterly blows, it's it's clear weather. It's hot. Uh, the grass is burnt down, <laughs> and and it's and it's time for the batsman to cash in. Mm-hmm. And uh, St George's Park is is similar. You know, they say there that uh, if the easterly wind is blowing, uh, then it, it's it's a good wind for bowling. The ball can swing. It nips around. Um, but if if it's the other wind, then it's it's more batting friendly conditions. Uh, St George's Park, the pitch is often a bit low and slow. Uh, it can be a bit of a nibbler, a bit of a, a, a sort of wicket that slow seamers will enjoy. So, yeah, there, there are numerous possibilities at St George's Park. Difficult to predict what will happen, but uh, I, I do think a spinner uh, will be necessary. So I, I don't see South Africa changing their starting 11 at all. Um, and I imagine England, you know, having won, um, their only only question mark will probably be who replaces Jimmy Anderson. Yeah. Do you think they would go with uh, Joffrey Archer based on what you saw up in Centurion, or do you think they might go for some some bit of a diversity or diversity in uh, the, the wood? And oh, my mind's gone blank. Ken Wood and uh, Works, Chris Works, Wooden Works option. So yeah. Yeah. Any any thoughts there? I thought Archer was a bit underwhelming at Centurion, to be honest, and it'll be interesting because the, the coastal pitches are never as quick as up on the half hour. And, and as I said, St. George's Park often is a bit slow. So do you then go for your fastest bowler, hoping that he can get a little bit more out of the surface than other guys, or, or do you say it's a slow pitch, Um Archer's pace is going to be nullified anyway. Um, look, I, I, I must say I'm a Chris Wokes fan. I, I think he's a you, you've all, you've raised him, yeah, yeah, fantastic bowler, um, very useful batsman as well. Um, and you know the way he, he, he's a guy who hits the seam a lot, bowls good hard lengths. Um, he's pretty brisk, uh, and is able to bowl long spells. I mean, he's the sort of guy who could well come into play at St. George's Park. Uh, Mark Wood, I think, in a way, similar to Archer in that he's out-and-out pace. He's a really fast bowler. So England might just hold him back for the Wanderers. Uh, You never know. Um, Yeah, but a a tough selection. But, you know, whichever route they go, uh, they will still have a, a, a very good bowling attack, very good pace attack at their disposal. Do you see any changes from the South African uh, starting eleven? No, no, I don't. No, I think, um, as I said, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure a spinner will play a role at St. George's Park, so Maharaj keeps his place. Uh, the batting as a unit fought so hard at Newlands. Um, be good to have some continuity, so, you know, reward those guys. Um, no changes necessary there, I wouldn't think. 
Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't see any changes happening. Well, let's let's look forward then, Ken, to to the that the kickoff is on Friday, and uh, you'll be you'll Thursday. be traveling th- th- Thursday, Thursday, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so you'll be traveling down tomorrow, I guess. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, travel safely, Ken. Looking mm-hmm. forward to catching up with you down there, and uh, a celebrating that fifty not out from your side, as well as getting to finally get to see the the Proteas. It was really difficult to be following some from from so far, and really wanting to be part of it. And uh, that's why I say, we no sooner than we we back, then we straight off to PE to come and join you there and join the the, the festivities. It's going to make for a great third Test match. Any final conclusion, concluding thoughts from your side, Ken, of what we've learned? from these two first test matches with death i'm thinking about early on when we did the preview of the series the likes of rabada is he going to shape uh, the fact duplicity captaincy the whole change up in the management team whether jimmy anderson and uh, Stuart broad would play as a, a, a dual bowling we know that's been taken out of england's hands now for this third test any thoughts about the, these first two test matches that are uh, starting to emerge as a pattern well, I, I think it's just that both sides are, are pretty evenly matched and, and it's the little moments in games uh, that are making the difference. And, uh, you know, in Port Elizabeth, there's always a great atmosphere. I hope that there are good crowds to really get behind the Proteus. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe we can recapture the sort of mood uh, that was there when South Africa played Australia uh, a couple of summers back. Um, you know, that was that was an incredible test match where the Proteas bounced back uh, after their defeat at Kingsmead. Uh, we saw Kahisa Rabada uh, produce one of his great performances. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding, really fired up uh, in that test match. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll see the same. Fingers crossed. Looking forward to it, Ken. Travel safely tomorrow, my, my friend, and we will catch up with you then. And for the listeners, we will return uh, at the back end of that third test with our summary. Again, apologies to our listeners for the delay in this particular uh, podcast. Uh, obviously, the travel and so forth and back at work, <laughs> back to work has caused a bit of del- delay. But Ken, thanks for your time and look forward to seeing you there across the NP in a couple of days. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks very much, Pete. And uh, yeah, certainly going to be worth worth the trip to Port Elizabeth. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look after yourself, Kenny. All the best. Thanks.